0: And in three, two, one. And welcome in, everybody, to Off of the Helmets. I'm Brady Tinker. It is Friday the 13th. I've never subscribed to that being a bad thing. And as I sit here covering a Dallas Cowboy playoff team that will end this week's super, super wild card weekend on Monday night, I'm excited. Friday the 13th sounds good to me. I could use a beer. But first, let's do Off of the Helmets. It's Friday. And the Cowboys will head to Tampa in less than 24 hours to begin their run in the playoffs. Purposely said, begin their run because I believe this Cowboys team can go to Glendale. We know they can play very good defense. They did most of the year. We know they can run the football. They did most of the year. We know Dak Prescott can take his team and lead them to lots of points. It's over 34 points a game in which he played. special teams units have been good. The kickers made a 260 yarders or maybe a 62 yarder. I lost track. But the point is, and the other special teams guy that came from the USFL, um, Turpin, uh, made first team all pro. There's nothing lacking on this team except 4-11 since 1996 in playoffs. That's what's lacking, and that's what you're tired of. So that makes this, in a week, NFC, with a great opportunity in front of them, with a healthy quarterback, anything but a run in this playoff is a major disappointment. Let's just say it. For this organization, this quarterback, and this ownership, and this coach, this is a must-win game in Tampa. So welcome to Off of the Helmets. Monday night in Tampa, the Cowboys are still currently favored by two points. A road favorite making Tampa the home dog. If you want things to grab onto, that's something. Vegas had Tampa favored in Dallas in week one. The last time they played, they had Tampa favored. Tampa covered right to the number, both times, no problem. And Vegas came out early on this game, early on this game, and made the Cowboys up to a three-point favorite. Vegas says Dallas is the better team. Vegas says 12 wins to eight wins is a plus four. Vegas says it's seen Dallas overcome something Tragic in Dak Prescott's injury in week one and survive until he got back in week seven, which nobody thought they would. They've seen the coaching on this team be superior. Mike McCarthy and the defensive coordinator grabbed hold of this group, as you know, in weeks one through six and got them through it so they were 4 and 2 instead of 2 and 4 or 1 and 5 and done it was phenomenal it was coaching it was leadership it was defense and running the football and it was the steadfast hand of a red-headed backup quarterback and it was all really good which led to 12 more wins this year and you got 12 wins last year and only two or three teams in the entire NFL have won 24 games total in the last two years Vegas buys all of that And they're pretty good at this. So they say the Cowboys are winning a close game in Tampa. So let's get to it. What is it that you and I are worried about? What has to be shored up or get better as best you can for the Dallas Cowboys to go to Tampa and win this game and then look over and see, are we playing Philadelphia or are we playing San Francisco? We'll get to that towards the end of the show. That's what we want. Let's start with the offensive line. There are two units, if you will, that are really... Uh, of grave interest and or consternation for all of us. We'll start with the offensive line because, and let's just flatly say it, we start with the offensive line because Dak Prescott is only ever really good when the Dallas Cowboys can run the football, period. That doesn't mean he's not the man I think he is, not the leader I think he is, not a great guy, he doesn't have the arm, he doesn't have the athleticism. The bottom line is we've now seen Dak Prescott is only really good when the Dallas Cowboys can run the football. Thus, we start with the offensive line unit. As of now, things are going to be back to almost normal. Tyler Smith will play left tackle, which he's done almost all year, and done as a rookie who had way too many penalties from the University of Tulsa. A phenomenal job. Tyler Smith at left tackle. Connor McGovern, comfortable at left guard, moves back there. And Tyler Biotish, the center who we didn't have last week, is back and will play center for this team. You now have much more value for him than you used to. Zach Martin is the greatest right guard in the history of the Dallas Cowboys and one of the greatest right guards in the history of the NFL. He's going straight to the damn Hall of Fame and he will be in his usual spot at right guard. And Tyron Smith, who also is going to the Hall of Fame, will be in his unaccustomed position, right tackle, which he volunteered to play after he came off his long extended absence on the injury report for this season. He raised his hand and said, put me where you need me most. I'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. That's who's going to play Monday night. Who's a backup if something happens? Hmm, Didn't mean to say it, but it does happen. Let's see. Who might play left guard or left tackle or right tackle? Jason Peters. Who else you got? Nobody. Jason Peters. Who would play right tackle in an emergency if Tyron was out and you wanted to save Jason Peters for the other two or three spots? Josh Ball. If you hear the announcer say, in comes Josh Ball, prepare to be disappointed. And that's not a personal thing. I haven't watched Josh Ball at all. I'm saying, based on what everyone tells me, no one wants yet to see Josh Ball in a football game, especially not against the damn Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs. That's my only point. Tyler Smith, Connor McGovern, Tyler Biotish, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith will do their damnedest and we'll get to the Tampa Bay defensive front in a minute, do their damnedest to help three running backs, Zeke Elliott, Tony Pollard, and Malik Davis, run the ball to the tune of at least 80 yards and maybe up to 130 or 40 yards. That's what they're after. But a minimum of 80 effective, timely yards against Tampa Bay is necessary for Dak Prescott to be who you and I want him to be. And I promise you all three will play. They're going to be not stubborn, but close to stubborn about trying to run the football. It just may not always be on first down because we've seen that that doesn't necessarily work very well. They have to run against whom the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, duh, but who, well, The Buccaneers, shockingly, gave up over 120 yards per game rushing this season. That's not very good, and that's not very Buccaneer-like, especially when we remember the Cowboys ran for, I believe, 58 yards only in Week 1 against the Bucs. So since then, they've given up something closer to 126 yards per game. The Cowboys would relish that and will win the football game if they run for that many yards. What's the difference? Akeem, Nicks, or excuse me, Akeem Hicks is a really good defensive end that sometimes plays inside. He missed seven games and came back a little bit last week and says now that he is spry, he's not even on the injury report. He's a huge key, Akeem Hicks. Defensive tackle Vita Veya barely played at all in the last five games. When those two guys play side by side, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers give up 88 yards a game rushing not 127. Massive difference. As of now, they're both going to play. Vita Vea shows up on this Friday as limited with a calf injury as he looks forward to a game on Monday when he basically hasn't played in five weeks. That sounds to me like he's very questionable, like he probably gutted out and try and go, but maybe he only plays a limited number of plays. If that's the truth, then he and Akeem Hicks will not be next to each other throughout the game on every big running down, and that could favor the Cowboys a little bit. Linebackers Devin White and Levante David, as you very well know, are hellacious football players who fill the gaps, who get in the A gap and the B gap, and who stop runs, who produce negative plays, and they're very, very good. So if Hicks and Vita play the whole game together, combined with those linebackers, this Tampa team goes back to being a very hard team to run the football against, which means 48 passes for Dak, which means a pretty tough day and a much less, li- less likely, likely opportunity of a victory. What a little bit of good news or something fun? On Friday, Mike McCarthy in a team meeting, so I'm told, showed baby pictures Of the 10, only 10, players on the Cowboys roster, now remember, roughly 53 plus 16, there's roughly 70 Dallas Cowboys in that building. 70. Of those 70, 10 of them were alive when the Dallas Cowboys last won a road playoff game. 10. Showed baby pictures. I do like Mike McCarthy. Page number two. Let's talk about your Cowboys. And their offensive line, check, we've done it. We think it's about as good as it's going to be or can get. It does have a 40 soon to be. In 12 days, Jason Peters will be 41 years old. But he has been to nine Pro Bowls, four times All-Pro, two times first team, two times second team, I believe. Hell of a player. The Cowboys secondary is the next unit that we obviously have to talk about. Now, in a game they were supposedly trying to win last week because what if everybody else lost? We could still win the NFC and get a number one or number two seed. So we're still playing everybody, but it was a bomb of a failure because you never did convince your team that you were really trying to win, and how could you? The defensive coordinator is running out 15 different cornerbacks to see who he thinks can play as he's looking towards the playoffs. I don't really have a problem with that, but I have a problem with that in that everyone said, we're trying to win this game. The fuck you are. So if you really weren't, why was everyone on the field? Why didn't a lot of these guys get more rest, especially Micah Parsons? Doesn't matter. I'll stop. Who are you going to see in the secondary at the cornerback position? A reminder, Jordan Lewis is out for the year. Anthony Brown is out for the year. Some of you may say, nah, I didn't think either one of them are all that good anyway. Well, you'd be wrong. They are veterans who know exactly where to be. They know how to play Dan Quinn's offense. They're in the second year with Dan Quinn, and they rarely, either one of them, make mistakes they get beat sure they give up catches sure yards after catch etc etc they miss tackles they're human certainly they do but we sure wish Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown were playing they are not so Diggs will be over there and Duran Bland the fifth round uh, rookie cornerback who's been above and beyond he it's not that he doesn't have weaknesses but oh my gosh thank goodness for Duran Bland in round five way to go Will McClay those two are the guys that you know and trust to play cornerback Everyone else is Nation Wright, drafted in the third round in 2021. You remember they drafted Kelvin Joseph in round two and Nation Wright in round three. They were going to develop them, and that gave this team depth at the cornerback position. I talked openly about it two years ago and still this year. We got good corners and we still got depth, baby. And we drafted this drawn bland kid. Maybe that'll turn out, which it did. But Nation Wright and Kelvin Joseph to this point haven't turned out. A second and third round pick. That's kind of a big swing and miss twice. But maybe not. Nashawn Wright will be on the field. I call him long neck. He reminds me, if you remember, if you're old enough like I am, of Merton Hanks of San Francisco, who was a safety and a hell of a player. Six feet four is Nashawn Wright with a neck that's about 13 inches long. Makes him look like he's six foot eight. He's got really long wingspan. He seems to be able to run with almost any wide receiver in football. Is he physical enough? We'll see. But Nashawn Wright will be on the field. Kelvin Joseph, unless catastrophe hits, most likely will not. Trayvon Mullen is someone that you watched last week. Trayvon Mullen has been in the league since 2019 and is an interesting player at almost 6'2 and 200 pounds, also with long arms, plays pretty good leverage. And when I watch Trayvon Mullen, I think, how did we get him for nothing? He was in Arizona this year for 13 or 14 games, and the Cowboys claimed him December something. You watched him last week, eh, eh. And that's kind of how he graded out, and that's kind of what the defensive coordinator thought. But Trayvon Mullen most likely will be on the field with Nashawn Wright this week. Okay, that's four. Who else? Because it takes more than four in what will be, I don't know, 65 defensive plays. The last is Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes was drafted in 2013 by the Minnesota Vikings in the first round. In his career in the NFL since 2013, he has been to three Pro Bowls. He's been all pro once. He has a slew of interceptions, and he started almost 130 games. He got here, I don't know, Monday, maybe over the weekend. I've lost track exactly when, but suffice to say, he ain't been here very long. When media asked him, are you ready to go? He was like, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't ready to go. Eh, that's an oversimplified answer to the question, which was supposed to say, do you have the defense down? Well, the answer, of course, is there's no way he has the defense down, Pat, with everything, every wrinkle that they could run, everything that Dan Quinn loves to be able to do to trick up quarterbacks and to uh, look like you're in man, but then be in zone and to blitz and et cetera. So there's no way he's ready, but... Most likely, Xavier Rhodes is ready enough to play basic formations, which the Cowboys play a lot lately anyway, and get on the field. He's a veteran. He knows what it is to be good at football. He just happens to be 33 years old, so he's part of that group. Jason Peters is going to be 41 in 12 days. Hell of a player. Hell of a player. T.Y. Hilton is 32 years old, pretty soon to be 33, and Xavier Rhodes is the third of that trio now of veterans who are sort of almost past their prime but are now potentially going to play a key role in a Dallas Cowboys playoff game against Tampa Bay and as Jerry said to us so often while he was teasing with teasing us with Odell Beckham who then apparently just wasn't ready to play football it might only take a couple of plays now he was talking about Odell but in this case with Peters Xavier Rhodes or T.Y. Hilton We've already seen it with T.Y. It might only take a couple of plays. Remember, third and 30, I believe, against the Eagles, and he got 52 yards. Remember, third and nine, and he got a 10-yard pass interference penalty, and he's done some good things. So yay on T.Y. Hilton. Certainly yay on Jason Peters. And hopefully, when we're talking about who we play next week, it'll be a yay on Xavier Rhodes' time on the football field in the secondary at cornerback with Trayvon Mullen and Nashawn Wright. The defensive coordinator said today that he is very comfortable, extremely comfortable, I think is what Dan Quinn said, with what his answers are at cornerback against Tom Brady. (laughs) Well, you better be, because he's going to find these young men that you're reticent to put out there but don't have any choice. He's going to find them. And he's going to throw short routes against them because they're going to back up too far. And just when they creep a little bit, he's going to throw double moves against them. So hopefully they're ready. The safeties are ready and that there is pass pressure coming to Tom Brady. Because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and in theory for a couple of plays, Julio Jones and others are pretty damn good. And they have the greatest of all time throwing the ball to them about the next unit for the Dallas Cowboys that we want to talk about that we know is good, but what has been the problem lately? Let's go to the Cowboys offense. And that sounds strange because I just told you early in the show they're scoring 34 points a game. What's wrong with that? Yeah, you know. 15 interceptions is too many Too many uh, unsustained periods of a football game where they go three and out a couple of times in, in the exactly the wrong spots, when momentum needs to be taken back, when you need at least a couple of first downs to flip the field, give your defense some rest. This team sometimes fails catastrophically at that, almost inexplicably. So let's start with Dak. Dak Prescott will and certainly needs to take what the defense gives him. If you watch the NFL network at all, Brian Baldinger this week has had a couple of very detailed breakdowns where he watched the Cowboys game last week against Washington and said, Look, Dak walked right into a sack. Look, he came off of CD Lamb when he'd waited just one more second and been patient because he wasn't being pressured. He had a first down. Look, Michael Gallup was going to come free on this curl route, but he gave up and flipped his hips and ran for almost no reason out of the pocket. All of those things have to stop, and we've seen Dak be good. Now, back to my point. Hopefully, early on, the Cowboys can make a dent with the running game so he can exhale and relax and stay with the receiver an extra half a second or wait for a curl route that he should breed is coming open and get the ball where it needs to go. Moving around in the pocket is essential on almost every play. Leaving it is not. Walking right up to the left guard who's being put or left tackle who's being pushed back into you by the defender is not necessary. He has to be better. Drop Move, slide, it's its all a key part of the game. And some days he's really good at it. And some days I think he's drunk. So Dak has to move around in the pocket, relax, trust what his eyes see, and take what the defense gives you. Because if you watch football games like I do, then you know with a really good quarterback, as he comes to the line of scrimmage, the defense is giving him something on every play. Now, can he see it? We know TB12 can see it right? We know it. We know Mahomes can see it, and if he can't see it, it doesn't make any difference because he can scramble around the pocket until somebody gets open and he can make that shit up. That's not Dak Prescott. We know Josh Allen can see it, etc., etc., etc. Sometimes Dak sees it, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he gets the read right and just doesn't stay with it, et cetera. You've you've all seen it. I love Dak Prescott, the man and the leader. I do. And he can play great football, and he's going to need to on Sunday. But he doesn't have to be a hero. Take what the defense gives. And here's the other thing. Most of the really good quarterbacks in the league, besides Brady, identify zone when they come to the line of scrimmage sometimes you're tricked a little bit but for the most part you see zone or once you say hi can you take a couple steps back you definitely recognize uh man to man once the defense is in man to man that means if you have three or four or five wide receivers in the pattern everyone's going to be going that way and the defenders are going to be running chasing them back which leaves an easy five an easy seven here and there you can slip past the center you can get out on the edge whatever it is take five yards slide and keep on going The best quarterbacks in the league are brilliant at it. Dak Prescott now is physically 100% and 100% capable of doing it, so do it. Tampa Bay gave up 29 passing touchdowns this year. That's a lot. 31st in the NFL. That's a lot. Good news for the Cowboys, who like to throw the football, and most days do it well. As long as Dak is using his legs and the running game is working, this team is going to throw some touchdown passes against the 31st-ranked passing defense in the NFL. Tampa is also tied for 27th in the NFL with their number of interceptions, which is simply 10. That's not very many. So they don't take it away when you throw it, and they do let you get touchdowns when they throw it. All of that sounds good. Keep the running game going. In week number one, you remember a 19 to three loss that was much more dominant than that. You also may be saying to yourself, Well, they lost because Dak got hurt. Mm-mm. He got hurt late in that game. That was a smashing all game long. Tampa just did not score that many points because Dallas's defense is actually pretty good. But 19 to 3, I promise you, was an ass whipping. Here's the good news Michael Gallup did not play. He was on IR, IL, whatever. T.Y. Hilton didn't play because he didn't belong or he wasn't on this team. And C.D. Lamb clearly in week number one, which we worried about in the offseason, was not a number one wide receiver. Two catches for 27 yards through the first four, five or six games. He clearly was not a number one wide receiver. Okay, what's the good news? Gallup is healthy and he's back. T.Y. is on this team, and C.D. Lamb, since about week seven of the NFL season, is a damn good number one wide receiver who put posted something like five or six 100-yard games as he came to the house. He now is happy to be wearing 88, which he wasn't sure he wanted to wear. He now is staying with the play, giving Dak more places to throw the football, not giving up on plays or quitting on routes, not forgetting to cross in front of the safety. He's doing everything right, and C.D. Lamb now is a number one wide receiver. Hell yes. So those are three things that are much better now than they were when you got your ass smacked in the season opener. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were eight and nine. I don't remember how many teams have gotten in the playoffs that are under 500, but not that many. They're eight and nine because they weren't very good. They never established any momentum. Tom went through a very public divorce, embarrassing and heartbreaking for him. And really all of us who have watched him didn't like to see him suffer. Uh, He hasn't been as good physically. He's getting the ball out about the same time, can't hardly move around the pocket at all, and doesn't, as you would imagine at 45 years old, like big men around his hips and or laying on the ground around his legs. And therefore, it hasn't been nearly as good a season this year as it was last year. Almost 20 less touchdowns and only three less interceptions. But they are still excellent in the passing game because he's him, and he gets the ball out in two seconds, and he, for the most part, doesn't throw interceptions. But the throws are not quite as well placed and not quite as timely, and the receivers have gotten frustrated, and the offense has been frustrating because the offensive line for Tampa hasn't been very good. So they haven't run much since Fournette laid 127 on the Cowboys at six yards per carry in week one, basically. So this year, Tom threw for 4,600 yards. Very respectable. 25 touchdowns and nine interceptions and 67% completions. Pretty good. Check, check, check. Last year, 43 touchdowns as compared to 25, 12 picks as compared to nine, and 5,316 yards. Last year, he was really good. This year, not as good. The Bucks' offensive line issues are bigger than the Cowboys' potentially. And as we sit here on Friday, I have not received the latest updates. As a matter of fact, while we're doing this, I'm going to look to see if anybody uh, has told me anything that I don't know. I'm going to do it right while we're sitting here just to make sure. Uh, let's see. Nope. Don't see anything else as far as injuries. So here's what I know about the Bucks' offensive line. They have had issues which have hint- has hindered them all year and hindered their execution, their timing, and overall affected their success greatly. Tom's been sacked 22 times. That's not very many because he gets it out in two, 2.1, 2.2 seconds. But all the hits that he took this year, all the people laying around his feet, all the people pushing him and pressing him caused him to have a lot more bad throws than normal, especially in key positions. Center Ryan Jensen is one of Tom's best friends and, and a great player. They lost him right before the season started. Four or five weeks ago, Tampa Bay acted him, you've heard about this, opened his window to get him off the injured list, and then he had X amount of days to be ready to play. They brought him on. They thought maybe he'd play three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and even last week he still hasn't played. And now it looks like Ryan Jensen, who is Tom's go-to, is not going to be there at center. Yeah, okay, not the hugest of deals because Robert Hainsey has basically played that center position all year while Jensen was hurt. Guess what? Hainsy left week 18 of a meaningless game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a hamstring issue, and he has been clearly limited and is clearly questionable to play in his game. There's a chance Tom's top two choices at center will not be there. If that happens, then starting left guard Nick LaVerett moves to center because center's a huge position, and he's done it some then a guy who played last week for the first time John Molchan will move in and play left guard last week was his first NFL game so you could have a third string center and a rookie hasn't hardly played at all left guard and one of the tackles right or left has some issues and is slightly questionable for this game as well the point is Tampa could be worse off at the run at the offensive line position than the Cowboys are which would mean they're still not going to run the ball very well, which would mean Tom's still going to continue to get pressured because the Cowboys, front four, front seven, has done a hell of a job all year. They finished third, I think, in sacks at getting pressure. Micah Parsons had two sacks of Tom Brady in week number one and two more hits, and despite listening to him yesterday say, when they said, how's your body, Uh, eh. it's been a long season. I gave you that stat. Gave it to you on every one of my shows. He's played 162 more plays. Has Micah Parsons than Nick Bosa of San Francisco, who has stolen his player defensive player of the year award, I believe. So the Bucks defense... Shockingly, has given up 120 yards a game, but maybe Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks play, and that gets better. The Bucks' offensive line clearly could be missing at least two really key players having to shuffle people around. Both their tackles, I think, will be intact, but still the center and the left guard position is very much in doubt while hiking the ball to a 45-year-old. All good news for the Dallas Cowboys. Darren Woodson said the other day while being interviewed about the Cowboys on the NFL Network, a few quotes that I'm going to loosely translate. These are, he said about this game in Tampa, legacy games. These are the games when the best players or your star players step up. The Cowboys have seven Pro Bowlers and I would submit to you at least five, maybe six star players on this football team. That's a lot. That's why they've won 24 games the last two years. Darren did say that the Lack of success, 4-11 since 1996 in the playoffs, is clearly, he would agree, weighing on this organization. The ownership, the Jones family, and now, because it can't not, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, and clearly the players, because we talk to them about it all the time. These are the games, said Woodson, when the best players, the star players, step up. They make big plays. They announce themselves to the league and to the world. And offensively, he said, this falls on Dak Prescott. He will have to be prepared. He will have to slow his heart rate and his mind and his eyes down a little bit and be on time, which Darren said he absolutely can be, and he absolutely can be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Darren Woodson, by the way, is a three-time Super Bowl champion. He is the Dallas Cowboys all-time leading tackler, and he finally is a finalist for the Hall of Fame. As he said a couple of years back, my ass has been chapped for quite a while about not getting into the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, this is the year for Darren Woodson as well for the greatness of Everson Walls, who if you know or don't know or remember or don't remember, at 11 interceptions, he is rookie year. 11. Diggs was the first one to get to 11 since then last year. That's been a long time. Everson Walls was a hell of a football player and won a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, it was with the Giants, but he resides right here in this town and he bleeds silver and blue. And hopefully the senior committee is going to get Everson Walls and Darren Woodson into the Hall of Fame. Do you want to know about Darren Woodson? If you ever run into him, ask Jimmy Johnson. And when Jimmy Johnson tells you about what Darren Woodson did for that football team that won three Super Bowls and might have won more, Jimmy will essentially say everything, everything, He got everything right. He got everybody in place. He covered up mistakes for people left and right. And he and Haley were the two keys to that defense being what it was, which was brand-fucking-tastic. Put Darren Woodson in the Hall of Fame. Put Everson Walls in the Hall of Fame. And a checklist before we go. You know most of this. The Cowboys are 0-7 against Tom. No way they can beat him. They've never played him in the playoffs. The Cowboys are 7-1 and one since Mike McCarthy got here in bounce-back games. I guess after that turd they laid in Washington, this clearly is a bounce-back game. The Cowboys are 4-11 and 11 in playoffs since 1996. They have 24 wins in the last two years. Wow. Last time that happened, 92 and 93. You know how good those teams were. They're 4-4 four and four on the road this year. They did not lose two games in a row this year, and they're damn well not going to. That means they can't lose this game. They beat Cincinnati, the New York Giants, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and Tennessee, and a couple other teams that I think are pretty good, but you might not. They lost to Jacksonville in the playoffs, Philadelphia in the playoffs, Tampa Bay in the playoffs, Green Bay, who was out essentially in the last minute of the season, and Washington, who missed it by a game. Those are the teams they lost to. No true sins there, despite the fact that you can remember leads that got blown, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all good football teams. The Cowboys sat at the end of the season, the top five in the NFL, in red zone scoring and points getting success, led by Dak Prescott. They were third in the NFL in third down conversions, a massive number in this league. Tony Romo taught me early in his career, what I have to be best at, what I'm most responsible for, are converting third down. That's what great quarterbacks do because it keeps drives alive top three in third down conversions, top five in NFL red zone scoring success. And this is, my friends, a must win game. It flatly is. The NFC is a little weak. The Cowboys are in a fine position. They're healthy-ish. They have seven pro bowlers and a whole bunch of good players. We believe in their coaching staff across the board. And if the 26-year failure rate is not something that becomes an albatross that can never be lifted, they have to win this football game. It's a must-win game for Dak Prescott and maybe quite literally, unfortunately, for Mike McCarthy. Sean Payton is around. Dan Quinn wants a head coaching job. Mike McCarthy, with 24 wins in his last two years, is in danger. Dak Prescott is not in danger of anything more than being lumped with other quarterbacks who looked really good but didn't have enough playoff success, and that will suck for him as well. I was on a Tampa Bay radio station a couple of days ago with J.P. Peterson, longtime famous uh, star for his show, The J.P. Peterson Show. You can find it in podcast form as well out of Tampa. And I said, how are you guys feeling? Because two or three weeks ago when I talked to you, J.P., you guys were out on your team. You were out on effort. You were out on momentum. You were out on everything. Out. Tampa sucks. Well, we feel a lot different. We have faith now. Why? Because the Cowboys played everyone in week 18 and looked like dog shit. So we believe it has buoyed us in the media and the fan base here and certainly must have filled that locker room with a lot of confidence. The team we beat in week one like this and like this looked like shit in week 18. Guess what we're going to do? The same thing. So when they beat Tampa Bay, they will most likely go to Philadelphia. Let's get it on. If the Giants happen to win, then they would go to Philadelphia and the Cowboys would go to San Francisco. Just giving you the layouts in case you're half drunk before the game starts and you kind of want to replay the scenarios or someone asks you, it's going to be Tampa Bay and then Philly or Tampa Bay and then San Francisco. Not easy. But if you're going to go to the Super Bowl in Glendale, Arizona, then you're going to beat the best teams in the conference, and those are them. The Cowboys, if they win this game, I believe that momentum I've been asking for, that lift, that chest out feeling that we've been asking for that they had against Minnesota and the Giants in December, will come back, and this team has a real chance to make a roll. A must-win game. I cannot wait to watch it. I cannot wait. Favored for a reason, remember. Vegas has had them favored since a week before this game. They are the better team. They have more good players. They have more momentum. They won more games. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I hope we're talking about a victory when I see you on Wednesday, but either way, next week, I'll be here for you on Wednesday, breaking it down and talking about what's next. I'm Brady Tinker for Off of the Helmets. I enjoyed today. Have a great weekend. Enjoy, what is it called? Super duper wild card weekend? Whatever. Just less penalties, please, and let the men play.